We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to the cast next door, where we love your mother's cookies. On this podcast, we watch the movie The Boy Next Door minute by minute and break it down for you in delicious bite-sized chunks. The minute we're currently discussing, if you want to follow along with us, is the eighth minute of the film from time code 701 to time code 800. I'm your host, Michael Painter. And with me are my two wonderful guests, Matt Teff. Good morning! <laughs> oh, super excited today. Well, hopefully I'll wake somebody up. And our other wonderful guest, Jonathan Frederick. Hello! Alright, you guys sound pumped. We must be we must be getting ready to discuss a really exciting minute where a lot happens. You wouldn't know that I just called this my <laughs> least favorite minute that we've covered so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We pick up our minute where we left off in front of a huge garage door opener display at the hardware store. Noah slams a piece into Kevin's chest and says, okay, we got everything. And they start heading toward uh, the checkout counter down the aisle, and then suddenly Kevin sees, oh no, there's a pretty girl at the counter, and he panics, turning to Noah and begging him to go and pay for the part instead. He explains to Noah that the lady at the counter is Allie Callahan, the most beautiful girl in school. Kevin says he just can't think when Allie's around. And then Noah tell, turns to Kevin, and he's actually he's actually pretty smooth about this. This is We're still in that phase where Noah seems like a genuinely pretty great guy. He turns to Kevin and says, I hate to tell you this, but she's already seen you. Just go on and talk to her. Kevin asks, well, what do I say? And Noah says, just tell her. And then he stops and seems to think for a moment. Tell her, here are some garage parts. How much? And he pushes Kevin toward the counter. Kevin starts walking toward the counter. He turns and whispers to Noah, you want me to fail. And he comes up to the counter, drops off the uh, garage door opener parts. Kevin greets Allie. Allie greets Kevin. Kevin says that he didn't know she worked there. Uh, Allie explains that her dad is making her and her brother do split shifts to earn some gas money. And here's where Noah, the smooth talker, walks up to the counter and says, could be worse. If you didn't have a brother, you'd be working full time. So that's that's his uh, that's his rapier wit. <laughs> so smooth, right so smooth, mm-hmm. smooth operator. We will, you know, as as we'll see later, the ladies just love him. So he introduces himself to Allie. They shake hands. Noah puts his hand on Kevin's shoulder and looks Kevin in the eye and says, "I'm friends with Kevin here." And there's kind of a moment where they just kind of almost like they stare into each other's eyes for just a second, and it seems. Almost flirtatious. Like, Noah's just kind of flirting with everyone in the room, maybe. I don't know. Uh, he then kind of awkwardly says, I'm going to go look around. He walks away from the counter, leaving Kevin and Allie there. And the minute ends. Woo! So, yeah. So, any <laughs> first, uh, bef- before we move on to general stuff, any thoughts just on this minute? It's just so odd. Like... We already talked a bunch about how uh, Kevin is just this really awful, archetypal, nerdy kid who just needs help with everything in life. Like, he's clearly the indoor kid with all of his allergies and problems and everything. And just this scene is 
the worst of that, like, setting up him as just this dweeby kid. Like, he just does every single, yeah. like, bad, awkward thing you expect someone to do. He actually... Yeah, he actually uses the phrase, the most beautiful girl in school, which no one outside of the nerdy kid in a movie ever uses. <laughs> no one uses that phrase. Yeah. And, like, she's fine. I'm not, like, going to sit here and say, like, she's ugly or anything like that. She's clearly very pretty and whatever, but, like, okay. Like, she's a blonde-haired girl. Congratulations, dude. Do you think a blonde-haired girl's pretty? Like, it's... Yeah. It, she's just so, it, like, I mean, if any of the other characters weren't bland, like, if any of the characters were interesting, she would seem more bland, but she just goes right along with all the rest of the blandness, really. And you, you know what, though? To, to Kevin's credit, he's clearly not the only person who finds this woman attractive, because someone, you know, doing the casting for this movie thought she was really hot, as as we'll find out later. Yeah, like, and I'm looking at her again right now, and she really does look young and that just makes it all the weirder when she she does get get totally nude balls later on yeah, yeah like it, it it is weird because like she was clearly cast because she can pass as like a high school or maybe 16 17 but you know it's it, that's got to be a weird casting call to be like we're seeking someone who looks not of age but we want them to be of age for reasons and somehow yeah. not look like a thirty-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got the got the Power Rangers effect going on. Like, I, I, sorry, I've got that on the brain because I've been rewatching that again with some friends. And like, holy cap, how, crap! How did I not tell that those people were in their late twenties when I was a kid? How did I not know? <laughs> That's the way I feel about watching, uh, going back and looking at the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man and seeing like some of those some of those people. It's like, wait, Tobey Maguire was supposed to be in high school during this movie? Okay, that's not that's not right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just the realities of Hollywood. You, you, because when you when you get actual children in movies, stuff goes wrong for those children. Yeah, that's true. Another yeah. weird little observation, and I I get it that it's a hardware store, but there are so many keys at this counter. There is a wall of keys and then a rack of keys. The entire background of every shot of Alley is just nothing but keys. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of keys at hardware stores, but, like, the backboard looks like they just have, like, a truck fleet behind them or something, you know, like, like that she's giving out, like, A1 to the cabs or something like that. Like, it just, it really does look like too many keys. Yeah. How about you, Jonathan? Anything you want to say about this minute? Um, oh gosh, I actually have a fair amount of feelings about this minute you know you know this is no annie hall or any other woody allen masterpiece in terms of breaking down teenage or romantic relationships but i don't know i i really kind of i, I really kind of related to kevin <laughs> a little bit yeah um, you know, I mean, we're all three guys, you know, we're all young, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not that far, we're not that far away from... We're all, we're all dorky enough to, to participate in a minute-by-minute breakdown yeah. of The Boy Next Door. Yeah, we're not, we're not that far from our adolescence, so I, I really, I really felt his pain, I really identified with that, but, you know, but also, I felt like... Getting away from that to more nitpicky stuff, I really loved how she was just dressed in regular clothes. Like she just like you would, you never would have been able to tell that she worked there from the way she was dressed, even though it was like a mom and pop kind of shop. Just standing yeah. behind the counter texting. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that is that is a little strange, but I'd imagine like if this is the kind of business where you're just making your children work the counter, you probably don't have a uniform. Yeah, yeah wearing a name not. tag. Yeah, so just something to indicate that she's supposed to be there. I will say though, in defense of this movie, uh, and and having a realistic like sort of flirtation compared to a Woody Allen film, at least Kevin isn't like three times Ali's age. Good point. <laughs> so let's have a little more fun then, since this is going to be wrapping up the week that the three of us get together. Do you guys have any additional stray thoughts on the movie as a whole about Jennifer Lopez, about Noah, about anything going on? Yeah. The, the movie, like it's one of those things where they seem to set up a bunch of stuff. And then like the more and more it goes on, like the less and less it makes sense. And so there, it comes to a point, I guess where you'd say about the third act where the third act starts. And really nothing that you've seen before matters like and then ultimately i still don't know quite what the like driving force is behind noah like they never really make that all that clear like it's just like he really really liked having sex with jennifer lopez apparently because he goes to the point of like you know tying up her husband and and beating him up and tying up her son and, like, he's going to murder them and, like, murders her best friend and does all these things. And, like, it seems like he, the best example, the best excuse is that, like, he's the child of divorce and that his dad remarried a kind of shitty person. So he killed his dad and his new stepmom after his mom committed suicide. And... So that turned him into a murderous psychopath. Like, Yeah, that's that's kind of weird because I've been... I've actually been in that exact situation. My parents got divorced and the person my dad remarried to was kind of horrible. But to date, I've never murdered anybody. Yeah, it's like it's like a weird like because the movie's about divorce, too. Like it starts off with the whole thing with like Jennifer Lopez going through divorce. And like clearly it's like about the mistakes you make when you go through divorce. And it's like his pains seem to be from the fact that like his parents didn't have a great relationship and they don't even really make that clear. And it's just like it's. It's just really not, like, I don't know. It's just really ugly to me. Yeah, but it's it's also just the way, it, kind of the way Jennifer Lopez is, like, sort of hemming and hawing. Like, she she doesn't actually want to leave her husband, and everyone's like, no, you need to get the fuck out of there. Something bad's going to happen. And then just everything goes wrong for her, because it, it, this, this also kind of speaks to sort of, like, we talk about, like, general, like, Hollywood, the, the way things work in movies versus the real world. And the, I guess because it's a movie, like... This guy cheats on Jennifer Lopez, and basically nothing really happens to him. At least not nothing that is directly his fault. Like he get he gets the he ends up getting tied up in the stuff with Noah, but nothing really directly comes of his infidelity. He cheats on Jennifer Lopez, and basically nothing happens to him. She turns around and cheats on him, and not even entirely voluntarily. And then everything happens to her. Yeah, because it's Hollywood, and she's the woman. Yeah, exactly. That's really. Yeah, that's really crappy. Like, that's just real shit. Um, what I was going to say, though, is what I, like, I just kind of put it together. Like, my question of, like, what's driving Noah crazy is I realize that this is, I guess, supposed to be, the, like, some sort of Oedipal complex. Because, they're you know, they talk a lot about uh, the classics and, and the Greeks and stuff like that. But like his mom committed Noah's mom committed suicide. He couldn't save his mom, and he, and it was because his dad cheated on his mom, and so he spends like all the time like yelling at Jennifer Lopez's husband, 
that like he's a cheater he's a cheater like all these and and just oh so it's he's like he's trying to save jennifer lopez like it's totally it's it's freud they they tried to do a freud movie and they were just so dumb about it they were like oh well people like we can't just like make it more obvious and actually like put in what we mean we got to make it we got to make it subtle so they figure it out and it's just like no that's that's just dumb like you just didn't you didn't connect enough dots there so the thing they're trying to imply is that he wants to bang jennifer lopez because she reminds him of his mother and i guess in a weird roundabout way and this actually kind of connects to the minute we just talked about he kind of becomes a father figure to kevin yeah. kind of right away yeah you're right well i haven't watched the whole movie yet uh, i've only watched the first 10 minutes i mean i can already tell this was definitely a january release movie it's it's kind of horrible <laughs> um, I, i'm sorry jonathan i think it was actually february Oh really? <laughs> oh, that I think that's even worse. I think it generally speaking, like Janu- January is when like the studio has at least some semblance of hope that they can make their money back on a given film. February is just the dumping ground. But what's weird is it did. It, it was all, now this is according to Wikipedia. You know, don't hold me to this, but it was made for like four million dollars and made fifty. That's, wow! It made fifty it made, million dollars. That's a lot of money for this movie to make. Yeah. That's really crazy. Wow. I mean, I can see it only costs $4 million to make. That's that's all on the screen. Yeah, it, def- it definitely looks cheap. It, it definitely looks like something that that could have that, that's that cost very little to make and could have made a lot more back. Yeah. Again, kind of having flashbacks to my rewatches of Power Rangers. <laughs> well, and you kind of figure but... <laughs> Jennifer, Lo- Jennifer Lopez takes up a lot of that just for, like, her salary. And then, I mean, who's the next biggest actor at this movie? I, I guess... Um, What's it? Kristen Chenoweth is probably the next biggest actor at this movie. And, you know, she's not commanding some huge salary. So, yeah. yeah. And, and they, you know, they, they paid a king's ransom to get, um, uh, what was his name who played Uncle Bob? Jack Wallace. Jack Wallace. Or John Corbett. <laughs> John Corbett. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You had to, you had to pay hand over fist to get John Corbett. Or just, you know, they, they had to find the brownest house they could possibly find. <laughs> And I, I know I harped on this back in in minute five, but good lord, this house is brown. <laughs> I've there's there's this movie that this movie really reminds me of two movies actually. One is called All That Heaven Allows from the fifties. It has Rock Hudson and Jane Wyman. I think that's her name. I don't know, but it's about like this uh, gardener in his thirties that falls in love with uh, uh, his boss the woman that lives in the house and there's another movie by Rainer Werner Fassbender from the 70s called uh Fear Eats the Soul uh which is literally a remake of that but only both of those are melodramas and not erotic thrillers so just plug in those movies yeah I, I think I think we just kind of get a lot of erotic thrillers these days because no one wants to make a melodrama but they still want to use melodrama type stories. Yeah. So they just they just kind of take those stories and it's like, okay, somewhere along the way someone has to get naked and somewhere along the way someone has to get dead. Yeah. I guarantee this this is the only time that Rainer Runner Fastbender comes up in relation to the boy next door though. Still. <laughs> Like, well, even I've, if they've got similar themes, I've, I've got to you know, it, it, for a movie as dull as this, I've got to compare it to something that I'm interested in. Yeah, for sure, I, for sure. I just, it's a. I'm sure Rob Cohen wet himself a little bit when he heard that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in, in fairness, your comparison is probably way more apt than my comparison to Power Rangers. <laughs> so, damning with faint praise, I know, but there you go. 
Take what you can get. How do we feel about how Jennifer Lopez does in this film? It, it's very much her film, and she's fine. I mean, she's this is there's been a few movies where she kicks ass a little bit. She's really kick actually doesn't kick, really kick any ass at this movie. She gets like two two minutes of ass kicking near the end, and that's about it. Um, oh, she's fine. She's pretty. Yeah. yeah. Like I like her. I that it's not her fault that this movie's terrible. Really, it's not. It's fair. It's it's not her fault at all. Well, all right then. Uh, before we sign off, any any last business, guys? Uh, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Teff, and my podcast is The American Cosmonauts. Uh, you can check out my blog, A Conference of the Strange, uh, or not at dot blogspot dot com, and you can also follow me on Letterboxd. All right, and fantastic. And you can find me as a regular guest on the South Figaro podcast, or on Twitter at tdotcrfh4. Well, thank you for joining me this week, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We've uh, we've talked about some really bad minutes in a really bad movie. <laughs> and I want to sincerely thank the two of you for joining me on this ride. It's been a pleasure. For having. Thank you for listening to The Cast Next Door. This has been Minute 8. And we'll see you next week. Good Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to A Talking Cast Presents The Cast Next Door. I was your host, Michael Painter, with my guests, Matt Teff and Jonathan Frederick. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at First Ed Iliad. You can download new episodes from thecastnextdoor.wordpress.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Artwork by Josh Hollis. Edited by Darren Husted. Produced by Darren Husted. Executive producer, Michael Painter. The Boy Next Door is owned by Bloomhouse, Smart Entertainment, New Yorkin, and Universal Studios. No infringement is intended. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This is a first edition?